0: You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus, and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. Here, then, gone. Life according to Ecclesiastes. This is an introduction to our series in Ecclesiastes, and I just have to start by saying this every new sermon series is a nightmare, (laughs) and Ecclesiastes is no different. It may have provided a bit more of a frightening week than I could have imagined, though. See, each time we start a new book, Satan has a little parade where he marches all over my heart and my mind and the assurance of my salvation, and slowly, from From Monday morning to Saturday night, my hopes, dreams, and desires for you and our church are darkened over by storm clouds that only the accuser himself, preying on my own fallenness and the brokenness of this world, could produce. And this is not helped by the fact that it was back in November of last year when I decided on the book of Ecclesiastes for this time. That was a lifetime ago for all of us. Everything has changed. Everything has changed, and yet as the teacher in Ecclesiastes is going to show us, um, the world has not really changed at all. We're just seeing it for this short time, as it truly is, with no sugar coating on top. And yet I am excited to start Ecclesiastes because it is in my top five favorite Old Testament books. And as we get started, we need to do a little bit of hard work this week. So let's start off by praying and putting on our clothes for work. God, by your word and your spirit, we ask that you would shape and mold us like a potter with his clay. We approach your truth today in need of help. We need you to shine a light on these words so that they do not just go in one ear and out the other. Let your word dwell in us as we seek to take this time and dwell in it. As we listen and learn and believe because of your word being heard and read, we pray for humility and patience and understanding. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I were to visit a friend's church in Zuhithle this morning, or if I was at a friend's church today in Italy or India, I guarantee that I would understand about 0% of what was being said, or very, very close to zero. I would not know the language. I would not understand the culture of the church or the preacher. And I would not understand the cultures that surrounded us. Even if everything was in English, there would be flavors of what was going on and happening around me that it would take a lot of work to try to understand. Well, that's how a new person arriving at church feels, right? But also, with Ecclesiastes, we are entering into a different world. A world that existed close to 3,000 years ago. Now, though we read it in English today, and, and you are following along in your heart or home language Bible that you have with you, um, the words that we read may not be as clear as we want them to be. Along with that, even though God the Holy Spirit is the true author of all the texts that we're going to read this morning, we are also dealing with a human author that has a personality. He has his own set of experiences, his own perspective on the world around him, and his own God-given purpose for writing this text. Now, one of the craziest and wrong things that all newer Christians, and all mature Christians alike, believe is that once we have the Holy Spirit, once we're saved, everything in the Bible will just automatically make sense. Then, we're so embarrassed that it doesn't, (laughs) that we don't tell anyone about it, especially not the pastor, and we skip over all the parts that don't really make sense to us. The deeper I go in God's Word and with God's Word, the more I realize that I did or do not understand, and I have to dig, and I have to read and reread to get to the treasure that's buried in it. I have to chew for a long time to get the meat off of the bone. Let me say it like this. If I skipped past what I did not understand in the Bible or simply pretended to understand, right? then you would get a sermon about once every two months. So, don't skip over stuff, okay? Don't give up. Pick up God's Word and read it. To have a copy of of Scripture in a book form or on your phone is a great blessing and privilege. But, that does not mean that you were meant to be reading it alone. (laughs) Alright, so ask for help. Ask a question. Ask your closest neighbor if they have a clue what's going on. And, read it with someone else. Now, if you're a fast reader, Ecclesiastes will take you about 45 minutes to read. If you're a slower reader, it'll take about an hour and a half to read. That's actually not much of your day or week if you spread it out over a week. Which now brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1, where we need to ask the question, Who wrote this book? The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Great. The teacher. Or your translation might say the preacher. The son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, these verses do not say that Solomon wrote this. In fact, verse 1 seems to be written by an author or a writer who is presenting the teachings of Solomon that have been handed down. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, we read again the actual writer or the author of this book as he finishes the text with a summary of what the teacher was teaching us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 8 to 14, Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, now he's talking about the teacher, right? The one who wrote everything in between, Uh, that first verse and to now. The teacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging, setting up many proverbs with care. The teacher worked to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words are the of the wise are like goads. These are the pointy sticks that shepherds use with their sheep or cows. And like nails, firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The preacher or teacher in Ecclesiastes worked hard on these words. Here at the very end of the book, we read that this book is not a series of complaints against God or a giving up on God. No, he very much on purpose wrote what he wrote, and the words he gives to us are truth. They are also words that we should delight in, it says. Which may sound hard to do as we continue to go along and read, especially if these words are like a goad, a sharp, pointy stick with a nail on the end that's pushing us forward. We also see here at the end of Ecclesiastes part of the purpose of this book. The teacher wants to teach us these words because he wants us to see that we must fear God and keep his commandments, that this is the whole duty of man, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, if we tie that together, if you were to turn back to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and if we tie that together with Ecclesiastes 1 verses 2 to 3, where the preacher makes a statement and asks a question which is going to drive the entire book Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Now, we said that when we step into this book, we're stepping into a time, culture, and language that is foreign to us. A word that the preacher uses nearly 40 times is vanity or meaninglessness, your translation might say. Well, I don't like either of these. Vanity is a carryover from the Old King James Version, and we don't actually use that word in the same way anymore. Meaningless is not a bad translation, but the original word here that is used in the Hebrew, meaningless might not be the best word every time. So, I have only ever taught you one Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word is has said, okay. Has said um, that is the stubborn love of God, the never giving up, never stopping, always and forever love of God, or the steadfast love of God. Has but today we need to learn one other Hebrew word. Okay, so here's your second Hebrew word, hevel. Hevel. Okay, uh, it, it's a word so. This word is the one so often used by the teacher, and this is going to sound complex. We're going to try to make it simple. It means enigmatic, okay, (laughs) enigmatic or mysterious. An enigma is something that is there, and then it's not there. It's real, but you can never really get a hold of it. So I think the best way that we can translate this word hevel is with a picture. Now, other times, the the teacher does give it a picture. He says wind, okay? We, we can use smoke here, right? It, it's real. It can be thick. It can be seen. Or it can be thin, right? It can be dark or it can be light. It can generally be cloudy. And when you reach out to get smoke, what happens? It just goes right through your fingers. So think about these verses that we've already read like this. Smoke of smoke, says the preacher. Smoke of smoke, all is smoke. What do humans gain by all the toil at which we toil under the sun? Life is here, and then it's gone. The things we do in this life are here, and then they're gone. This is what the teacher is teaching us. He's going to teach us about How even though in this sin-cursed world, everything seems like smoke, we're still called to something. We are called to fear God and keep his commandments. For this is our whole duty. It is everything that we are responsible for. And we are being taught and told this because judgment does come in the end. Now, Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom, like Proverbs or Job. We spent a little time in Proverbs while we were going through the Ten Commandments. Many things taught by Solomon and other wise people in that book seemed pretty simple. If you are wise and do what is good, then good things will probably happen to you. If you work hard, you will experience a harvest probably. If you don't do evil, uh, then your life probably will not be full of evil. All of these things are generally true, but one word that I keep throwing in there (laughs) is probably. Right? These things are not promises from God. For instance, the author of Proverbs tells us that acting with justice is good, and acting with no justice is bad. Stealing is bad in paying your workers is good great but as the teacher is going to show us in ecclesiastes this broken world is not so simple so in the realm of wisdom right if proverbs is teaching you something that is generally true but not a promise The teacher of Ecclesiastes is going to show you the brokenness and the fallenness of of this world and and how it's hard to get by in this world and how it's hard to keep going when you look around and, and there's no justice, right? And you see beauty being ruined and you see goodness being insulted. Well, Ecclesiastes is going to show us where those probably gaps are. In the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is going to show us the the shadowy side of wisdom. In chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, we read this, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I have set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and you know what? It's all smoke and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have gained great wisdom, going beyond all who were in Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and foolishness. I perceived that, I, I understood that this is also, I understood that this also is but reaching for smoke, striving after wind, for in much wisdom there is much confusion, and the person who increases knowledge also increases sadness." For another great example, um, after a lovely and and hard-to-read poem about death that we'll touch on in chapter 9. We read this in chapter 9, verses 11 through 18. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race does not go to the fastest person, nor the battle to the strongest, nor bread to the wise man, nor riches to the smart person, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken away in an evil net, and like birds that are caught up in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time, when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little cro- a little city with a few men in it. And a great king came against it and besieged it. That is, he was attacking it from the outside, okay? Building great siege works against it. You know, great machines to climb over the walls and throw rocks down on people. But there was found in that city a poor, wise man. And by his wisdom, he delivered the city. Yet no one remembered the poor man but I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of the ruler among foolish people. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As we go along, this teacher is going to be going over time and time again, three big themes, time, (laughs) death, and fate, or chance, as we just read. And even though all three of these things can seem evil, um, they are mysterious. They are enigmatic. They are like smoke. We are also given a gift in the middle of all of it, though, a gift of contentment and the choice to enjoy what God has given to us in the midst of all of this smoke, all of this hevel that is around us. Today, so far, we've heard the purpose of this book. <laughs> we've learned about the author and the teacher. We've also begun to understand the language of the book a little bit. But, to be really honest with you, it is hard to understand why we are studying it still. I mean, let's be, it's pretty law-heavy, Ecclesiastes is. It's, It's pretty depressing, too, and maybe a little too real and honest and truthful, a little too close to home, for the situation that we find ourselves in right now, for the world that we find ourselves in right now. Can't we have some good news? Yes, we can. And in fact, over the next couple of weeks, as we study Ecclesiastes, we will find the good news in it. Because in the darkness of this broken world, in, in, in the hardness of all the wisdom that we have to seek, in the difficulty of all the law that we're going to be faced with, in the hardship of all the bad news we are faced with, the good news of God's word should be jumping out to us clearer and more brightly and more readily, and the good news should seem like better news because of it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 31, we read that Solomon was so wise that people traveled from all over the world to hear him. But Jesus claims that he is a king greater and wiser than Solomon. Okay, and look, in Jesus, we have something better than Ecclesiastes too. In fact the apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that Jesus is both the power and wisdom of God Jesus that that word from God is also the definition of wisdom Two big themes that we are faced with in Ecclesiastes are are death and and the smoke like emptiness uh, the smoke like emptiness of our work but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 54 to 58 we read this When the perishable that's us puts on the imperishable that's Jesus and the mortal puts on immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory O oh, death where is your victory O oh, death where is your sting Paul continues, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul tells us there, Christian, your work is not hevel, okay? Your work is not like smoke. It is not in vain. And what of Paul in Romans chapter 8 from our reading this morning? He knows about the futility that the teacher in Ecclesiastes speaks of. He says we all know it, that creation groans in futility, waiting for that last day of judgment that the teacher warns us about in Ecclesiastes and reminds us of in the last verse. Except, in Romans 8, Paul reminds us that this final judgment is a good day for us in Christ, because in Christ we have feared God, and the commandments that we have been asked to keep have been kept on our behalf perfectly by our Savior. Paul continues by saying that if God is for us, who can be against us? All the groaning that the teacher is, is going through in the book of Ecclesiastes is echoed by the apostle Paul here, and, and it's handled by God in such a way that we have a perfect guarantee and promise that in Jesus we are adopted, that we are justified or made right, um, and that we will be glorified on the day of judgment when Jesus judges everyone according to their deeds. In Christ, in Jesus, we are secure because of the foolish wisdom of of God, in Jesus, who took our sin and futility to the cross and gave us victory in a world that sometimes seems like a lost cause. Christian, because of Jesus, your labors are not futile. They are not smoke. They are good gifts given to you to help you find purpose and contentment in this mixed up and messy world. The book of Ecclesiastes is going to be a hard read, but it's a good read. It's a good read that points us to good news. And I'm confident that as we study it together, God is going to use the book of Ecclesiastes to to grow you and to shape you and to mold you. And we'll thank him for that when we see that happening in our lives. Until next week, Anchored. Love you all praying for you. Have a great week. Let me know how um, I can help and how others in the church can be helping you as well. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.